Friends, our text today comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Listen now for a word from God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself wasn't the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people didn't accept him. But to all who received him and who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but who were born of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. And God, thank you for John's gospel. God, I pray that you would illuminate your wisdom to us this morning and that whatever words we would hear this morning would be from you and not from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hello, Garrett. Hello. (laughs) This is a slightly different setup than many of you are used to. We for our uh, sermon time today, decided to do a bit of a fireside chat. It's Christmas week, it's been a long week, and this is a way for us to come close to the text in a sort of different way with one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, do, we actually do this often, um, and I'll, I'll give a shameless plug here. We, we actually have a podcast that we do, uh, we, we try to do it every week. It hasn't been every week recently. Um, since we have a child now, but um, this is kind of the format that we do. We just try to talk, we read the text, and we try to talk about it. So we've done uh, very little preparation for this. Uh, we did talk about how we wanted it to go, but I don't know what Sarah's going to say. Sarah has no idea what I'm going to say, and you all have no idea how long this is going to last. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, buckle up. <laughs> um, so I, I think, you know, this. we've heard this a lot in church, Sarah, and yep. And this is a passage that, even if you don't know what it means, because it's kind of confusing, you've heard it, and you've encountered it. And you know this language, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. 
Uh, but I know you took an exegesis of John's gospel yeah. uh, in seminary. And so I'm just curious, you know, what did you learn? Do you remember anything from that? Yeah, um, yeah call me out, you? quiz me yeah. on those. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, so I did. One of our requirements in seminary is to take uh, an in-depth uh, exegesis study on a particular book of the Bible in the original language. So we, we all had to take one in Hebrew and one in Greek. And this was the one I chose to do in Greek because I love the Gospel of John so much. And um, just, just as a sort of big picture with John, I'll say that one of, one of the things that I loved most from my exegesis class was this perspective that the professor gave us about this gospel. And he said, you know, we, we understand a lot about Jesus through the gospels, but John has something so unique. The synoptic gospel, gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell the story as if you're looking at water, but John tells the story as if you're looking at water through a microscope. It's not a different Jesus that we get in the Gospel of John, but there's an intensification of some of the parts of who Jesus is. And I love that lens for what this Gospel is and what it does. And so this passage that you just read is the Christmas story. And we don't often think of it that way. You know, on Christmas Eve, we mostly tell the story from Luke, sometimes from Matthew, but this is John, in John's particular way, looking through the microscope at Jesus and the Christmas story and God coming in the form of the baby. And the thing that I remember the most, I will tell you from this, this passage in particular, was having to translate it from the Greek. And, you know, I went to seminary in my 30s. Language learning, I felt like, was far behind me, and it was a lot of hard work. And so what I remember the most about translating this passage was how much the word word came up, because you see it over and over again. It's sort of helpful for a novice language student, because as long as I learned that one word, I could translate it many times in the text. But the word itself in Greek is logos, and so the beginning, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And you just see that word over and over and over and over and over again. And that word in particular is so interesting because, as you know, there's like 25 definitions of it. We use the word word, but really it could mean, I mean, and help me out here because there's a million. It's like word, thing, matter. Yeah. Reason is reason, another one. Reason. Yeah. Uh, action. Yeah. I mean, uh, even you could you can translate it as prophecy in some mm -hmm. situations. It's a thing someone has said, a narration, mm -hmm. but you can translate it in so many ways. Yeah. And so I particularly remember from this class how often Logos comes up and how interesting um, how interested John is in thinking about Jesus as this logos, as this word matter thing that is so rich and full of meaning. Yeah. Um, so you weren't in that class in particular, but I know this yeah. is a passage that we talked about in, in seminary yeah. in other contexts too. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to just hear how you've thought about it theologically and what you've been sort of trained to think about it. Yeah. Well, I think we all encounter it um, in, in terms like, th theologically, we talk about the incarnation. Have you all heard about the incarnation? Do you know that word? It, it essentially just means Jesus coming and taking on a bodily form. And um, this, this is really the passage that's used and relied upon to fill out that idea. 
And so what we talk about when we say, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, the Word is meant to represent Jesus for John. And so there's this idea that Jesus is God, and, and before time, before creation, before anything happened, Jesus is God, and Jesus is with God, and then Jesus comes down. And it, and it starts to get confusing, right? And so uh, theologians, what, what they want to talk about is uh, the second person of the Trinity, right? We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so uh, especially the academics that teach this, they say, well, we don't, we don't want Jesus to be a created being. Jesus needs to be before time. Jesus needs to be uh, beyond all things that are natural, right? Jesus is supernatural. Jesus comes to us from out of our system. And so we, we use this, this verse to talk about that, but then there's this deep significance of Jesus taking on a bodily form. And, and if you think about that, I mean, really the, the early church uh, fathers and church mothers uh, wanted to stress this a lot, that Jesus comes to us as God taking on bodily form, and this is an act of love. In fact, this is the greatest act of love, that Jesus would, uh, that the word they use is condescend to us. And, and dwell among us. And I think the literal translation sometimes is he uh, pitched a tent among us and, yeah. and dwelled here and lived, right? The, so I remember this Greek yeah. too. I, um, skenu is the, is the word in, in Greek. Skenu. Skenu. That's a fun word. And um, yeah, it, it quite literally means put up one's tabernacle to yeah. to actually set up the tabernacle where you will stay. Yeah. And I love that that image of, you know, we've we've done a lot of camping and backpacking together and it is a lot of work to put up a tent. It could be yeah. the beginning of a fight if you're <laughs> if you're not careful. But um it but it takes intention. It isn't just something yeah. you decide to lay down right there. To set up a tabernacle, to set up a tent mm -hmm. requires poles, requires diligence, requires patience, yeah. and is very intentional. So yeah. yeah, and that that intentionality I think is the love of God being with us. Even even though you know, John says, uh, came, dwelt among us and and was rejected by his own people, right? So even in that rejection, and if you think about Jesus being God, you know, Jesus must know to some degree that there is going to be this rejection. There is going to be this conflict. There is going to be this, hey, we don't want anything to do with God, even though you're coming loving us. And so, you know, there, there's all these things wrapped up theologically. And I think one of the things I took away from seminary classes that was so important was the idea of embodiment in theology. And so, you know, a lot of times in the church, we can, we can take our beliefs, and we have our doctrines, and we have our dogmas, and they're just things we say, right? They're just things we say out loud together. You know, you all probably used to say the Apostles' Creed, and we assent to beliefs with our words and with our minds. We don't often think about what does that mean for our bodies? What does that mean for our actions, right? Even though, even though we know it has something to do with that, we don't often talk about it. And so the idea of embodiment came up, particularly when I was taking classes on feminist theology and womanist theology. And I know that sometimes those can be triggering words for us, but really feminist and womanist theologies, what they want to talk about is, is getting away from just being in the mind. Ideas and thoughts aren't the only important thing. You know, it has to matter, right? It has to, the, the, the word, the ideas, the thing needs to become something. It needs to be acted out. It needs to be enfleshed is a, is a word we use a lot. And so 
that idea of embodiment came up. Uh, I'm going to forget the, the name of the author, but she talked about um, the, the braiding of hair in some cultures is actually this profound act of love that particularly women do for women, but sometimes men as well. And that she wanted to talk about as an incarnational way of living out the gospel. And then she went on to kind of extrapolate some of these, these other thoughts, like it might be giving, you know, a friend a massage because they're tense and you can kind of see they're tensed up, right? It could be, um, you know, just spending time with one another. It could be holding hands, it, you know, but this idea of embodiment, of living love, of using your flesh to actually express love and bring it to being in the world, is, this is connected to John. This is what John's trying to to say to us. And I think, too, you know, one of the other things that I really took was that um, all of this begins in the imagination of God. So the, the, the idea that Jesus is God, and Jesus is with God, and all of this is happening before time, but at some point, there's a decision, there's, there's a thought, there's an idea, there's an imagination that Jesus is going to come and dwell among us, and then it happens, right? I think this is, this is a really important thing, that it, it began with a word, it began with a reason, it began with a moment, and then it became something. And so, you know, those are the things that really come up for me theologically, and, and, and I can kind of see that happening in incarnational theology, and, and yeah. So, I, you know, we could talk about this for a while. I could talk about incarnational <laughs> theology. It's really that one of the bedrocks, I think, of, of Reformed thinking, but... Um, I'm curious for you, what, what do we, like, what do we take from this? Yeah. You know, because all, all of this theology talk, like, we could talk about our seminary experience and mm -hmm. everything we learned, but what, is, what does it mean for us? What do we walk with? Yeah. Well, I love, I think, I, I love hearing you talk about embodied, um, the embodied view of this, and, and it reminds me that um, that means that our bodies matter, too, and yeah, you know, yeah. that this, I think so much of Christian history, we've gotten, you know, tied up in just imagining the future, a heaven, a pie in the sky heaven that we're looking forward to. But embodied theology and this text in particular remind us that, no, actually what's happening right here in the flesh matters too. And that we don't need to just endure sufferings and not call out, you know, signs of injustice and structural racism and all of those things because our flesh here and now really matters and there's and acting that out is a sign of living into God's truth for us so I think that that is that's certainly part of it that I just thought of as you were talking about embodiment that it's it's encouragement to be where we are yeah. fully as God's people yeah and I think that affects the earth too right y'all have oh, probably yeah. heard like well it you know what does it matter what we do here because God's just going to create a new earth anyway, right? And actually, that, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think we have right. a responsibility to steward what we have here. Right. And that goes back, I think it starts with the body, right? right. That we, we begin by, if we can take care of our own body, if we, if we take care of ourselves, maybe we'll take care of these other things. But these things matter even, even if we do get a new body later, even if we do get a new earth. Right. This one matters too. Well, and that goes back to another fantastic biblical word of human and you know that that word actually also comes from dirt and earth that it's so connected that human beings you know the adam the human is also of the earth and so it is it is very much connected um but i you know i think the thing to take for me goes um just centers in that 14th verse 
that's familiar to many of us, the word became flesh and lived among us, and we've seen the glory. And uh, Eugene Peterson has a famous translation of this verse, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And I and that. I love that. And it makes me think of, uh, you know, like politicians that don't live in the districts they represent or something, and the difference yeah. in 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 actually living with the people that you serve or living with the people that you claim to love. And, and going back to that image of setting up a, a tent of a tabernacle of actually investing in the place that you want to draw near to. And I think that's the call for me, first of all, to recognize that God has done this and the significance of that, just the, the weight of that love to be in the midst of a really hard, difficult, often dark world that God wouldn't rule from afar and rule with intention and love with intention, but to love on the ground and in the neighborhood is really profound, I think. And then it's a call to me, too, and I think to all of us, to move toward those things that we say that we care about, um, to move toward places and difficulty and things that um, we say we want to change. Um, you know, I talk a lot about education, and I have a lot of ideas about education, but am I, am I investing in it? Am I drawing myself closer to, to situations where education can be improved? And I think, I think that's, that's a call that I hear from this. What about you? Well, I think a lot about, um, you know, our, our own imaginations, and, um, you know, if, if you were if you were a kid and someone asked you what do you want to be when you grow up, you probably had an idea, right? And and some of us may have followed that idea. I, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut until I realized I had to be really really great at math, and like I was okay at math, but I I didn't want to do it, so that idea went out. But you know, a lot of the the course our life takes begins with just an idea and a thought, right? A word we might say, a reason, some kind of thought that we've had, and then if we continue to chase that and invest in it, it becomes something. You can put flesh on it, right? And I think this is, this is kind of what I'm taking from the passage for us, that you can embody the thoughts and ideas that you have, you know, and, and as we come to uh, January 1 and we make our New Year's resolutions and we think ahead to our life and, and where do we want to be at the beginning of 2023 and, and how do we get there, you might have thoughts and ideas. You may have already set your resolutions. You may have already talked about them. And, you know, I think we, we have to trust that those thoughts and ideas can become something. It's not going to happen overnight, right? It's, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. But you can actually bring those things into being. And it might just be this distant thought like, hey, I, I want to be an astronaut. Or I want, I don't know, you wanted to be a ballerina at one point, right? That began with a thought, and it took a lot of work. But you eventually embodied that. It was enfleshed, and, and, and then you were, and, and then you weren't, you know. And so I, I, I'm thinking a lot about that, about our own imaginations and how we invite God into our imaginations. You know, where do we want to be? Not just as individuals, but as a people. You know, you think about, think about the church, think about Fort Street. Like, where, where do we want Fort Street to be in this next year? Uh, what do we want to see? What, what things do we want to happen? And then what are we doing to make that happen? How are we taking those ideas and trying to bring them down to earth so that they can grow and so that they can flourish? And so I think that's, that's a lot of what I'm going to walk with is um, how are we inviting God into our imagination 
to develop and cultivate and grow those things that we want to happen in the world. And, and, and then how do we become that? How do we participate in that? How do we embody those words, <laughs> you know? So that, that's kind of that. what I have. Yeah, inward and outward. Yeah. I like that image. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Any closing thoughts on our passage? I don't think so. I mean, I, I love it. I, again, we could talk about it for yeah. <laughs> you know, hours and hours because there's, there's so much to unpack. Lock the doors, Jerry. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I appreciate the conversation. So I thank you. It. Yes. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for your word, your logos made flesh and dwelling among us. Pray that you would continue to guide us as we discern what this word might mean for us and where it might take us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.